Hello, I'm Phil Farrow, Chief Meteorologist at WSBN-TV in South Florida, and this is Weather or Not. As we enter late fall and winter, many areas across the U.S. should see rain and snow. But if we continue to see above-average dry conditions, the threat of fires will grow. For South Florida, our worst time frame kicks off in January. We can expect road closures and health concerns from smoke. It would be great if there was a way to be in the know as to where grass fires are sprouting. Turns out, there's an app for that. When you click on that app, even if there is no fire there, it draws a two-mile radius circle. So it's four miles across, and it queries all of that area within that circle. Meteorologist Erica Delgado takes a look at this hot-button issue. That's coming up next on Weather or Not. When the tropics heat up, you can stay cool. Because the chief works right here. Seven's chief meteorologist, Phil Farrow. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years. As soon as we get information, we bring it to you instantly. Wilma, Katrina, Irma, he guided us safely through them all. That guy never sleeps, but that's so you can sleep easier. As we progress through the end of 2022 and the start of the new year, our conditions will grow drier and drier. After all, it is our dry season. Many grass fires tend to spark in this time frame. Erica Delgado introduces us to an app that will keep you ahead of the flames. Each year, it seems the number of wildfires around the country are not only growing in number, but also in size. Each event destroying more land and impacting many people's properties and lives with wildfires given specific names in order to help keep track of each one. With so many wildfires spread to so many areas of land, how does one even keep track of them? What if you had all the information you needed not only to keep track, but also the weather conditions in the area that could help cut or fuel these fires? What if you had something that was just a few clicks away from keeping you wildfire aware at all times? Well, lucky for us, there is one place where you can get all of this and much more information. Esri is the global market leader in geographic information system software, location intelligence, and mapping, and we had the opportunity to speak to the mastermind behind it all. And joining me today to help spark that interest is wildlife fire specialist at Esri, Chris Ferner, also more commonly known as Fern who is known for her help in supporting active efforts on active wildfires across the U.S. Hi, Fern. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So before we even jump in, give us a little more background information on the app, how it came to be, how long it's been around or when it's being released, etc. So the app is part of a broader series of what we call aware apps, and they're all focused on using data that's publicly available from authoritative agencies to answer questions and how people look into different natural features such as hurricanes, sea ice, drought, and now this one is wildfire aware. It launched on August 25th publicly and has been available since then. Wow, so, so it's not just wildfires and I see it's, it's kind of a series, you mentioned other natural disasters, hurricanes being one of them, which is especially of interest here across South Florida. Absolutely. 
So what kind of information or I guess features would one find on the app? Or maybe we should even start about what's the name of the app? So the app is called Wildfire Aware. And the idea is that it provides more awareness and more intelligence and, and knowledge about areas where wildfires are occurring. You can also look at other areas and areas where wildfires have happened in the past or areas that you're particularly interested in. And this one is a bit more complex than some of the others because wildfires kind of touch so many different aspects of our lives. So we really wanted to dive into all the different kinds of data and how it's, I think it's impossible to answer every question, but we thought to ourselves, what are questions that our family members ask us, that our friends ask us, that while I'm working in fire, I get asked. And we used authoritative data from the ArcGIS Living Atlas of the World, which is kind of like a library. Think about a library where you can go and find data about from the census or from different land forms and what, who owns the different land and what kind of endangered species exist. And what's that potential impact or, you know, what's, what's the area like where the fire is? And so we have 22 different data layers that are queried when someone clicks on a fire or clicks on the map somewhere. And the results are displayed on the right-hand side in a pane that they can scroll through and see what's the population like, how many people, you know, are of varying ages within that population. And when, when we're thinking about fire, you know, the consideration about population is, is can people evacuate on their own? Can people, do people probably listen to the news or get notifications on their phones? Um, do they have cars? Do they have internet access? And then we also go into what are the, what's the potential value of homes that are in that area? So this is very detailed information, not so much, not even just about the wildfire, but surrounding area and how it actually would affect or impact, I guess I should say, populations surrounding these wildfires. Correct. It's, we do provide that, that information that's about the fire because that's kind of that first level of, well, what's the name? How big is it? How many days has it been happening? And what's the containment of the fire? How, how much control has been taken back. And then we kind of dived into all those other aspects of population, uh, housing, environment, ecosystem, to really look at that broader scope of, of what fire impacts, because it's not just about, well, where is the fire and how big is it, but what is that human and natural impact? So I know you mentioned some detailed um, data layers you were talking about, where exactly does all this information come from? Is this just everything's input when the app was, was programmed or is this um, auto-plotted and just information continuing to come in? So the fire data comes from the National Interagency Fire Center and from dispatch centers around the country. And it all feeds into kind of real-time updated layers. And sometimes it takes a little while for that data to make it through all the systems, especially if we think back to the past week, it's been, it's been quite busy out West mm -hmm. and there have been a lot of fires in Oregon and Washington and California, and there've been quite a few fires in Idaho. And sometimes if there's a lot of fires in an area, it takes time for that data to make it into the different systems and to show up 
in the map, but I'm thinking like five, 10 minutes is pretty normal. Which isn't <laughs> so, long at all. That's a while. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes it can take a day or two, depending on what's happening at that local level, because it really is authoritative. It is coming from the locals into these larger national data sets. And then the rest of the data is updated on a fairly regular cadence. So census data probably is, you know, we, we all know the national census happens every 10 years. And then we also have land ownership data, land ownership and, and whether or not it's a protected wilderness or national forest or state park, those boundaries don't change that often. So we don't have to update that in the background of the map very frequently. Um, but yeah, so all of these data layers were added to a map. And then when somebody clicks on the fire, it kind of goes down like you're like you're digging through all of the data in a little kind of tube, I guess, and querying out what comes out and seeing the results. Now, you mentioned information on a local level, you know, for someone who hasn't seen the app or hasn't spent any time or as much time on it. How far in can one actually zoom in on the map? You can actually zoom in all the way and the base map, the, the map itself was custom made for this particular app. And with the idea of people being interested in fire. And so it highlights things that are relevant to fire, like rivers and lakes and forests. And then as you zoom all the way in, you can actually see structures. And so you can see a structure footprint layer and then you can turn on and off additional layers at that fully zoomed in level. You can turn on population to see where the densest part of the population is. And someone made a comment to me as we've been exploring this app all summer before we released it. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the de developers and folks who was helping with the data work said, oh, I, they were really surprised at how well fires are at avoiding people. And I said, well, yeah, the fires that we hear about in the news and in the media, those are the fires that are really being impactful to our infrastructure and to, to civil you know, communities and, and our kind of the, the financial impact and life impact. The fires that we're not hearing about are the majority of fires where they're not in urban or populated areas. But the app really shows that quite well. Right. And just because, you know, we don't see about that in the media doesn't mean it's not there. So the app really educates people on what else is going on out there. Well, and being in Florida, you have a lot of prescribed fire and some of those get reported into the national system. Some, some don't. So I think that you will see that change over the next couple of years as people get more familiar with some of the reporting tools that they have available to them. But you'll see some fires in your state and some you might be happening and you might not see them. And that really is a factor of who's reporting the information and who's managing that fire in the, at the local level. Of course, and, and you mentioned, you know, South Florida, how we do have those prescribed fires. We occasionally during our drier season do get the, the brush fire that may be just a little out of control, nowhere near what we see out, out West, of course. But for us, wind pattern is everything. And I'm sure out West as well, where air quality is also affected now. Is there any information on the app regarding air quality? 
Yes. So some of the additional layers that you can turn on and off as you zoom in and out at different kind of extents. So you can either look at a state or a county or city. And at those different levels, when you're zoomed a little further out, you can look at weather watches and warnings. So for fire, there's red flag warnings and fire watches. And then you can also turn on either today's air quality or tomorrow's. So you kind of get a choice of one or the other. It gets a little cluttered if you're allowed to turn on both. And you can really see the areas where that smoke, especially right now, while there are fires happening, if you were to go out to the California area and turn on air quality, there are some areas that are extremely unhealthy at this point in time. Now, we talked about out west being the focal point across the states here as far as wildfires are concerned. Are there specific regions on the map that the app focuses on, or is this just on a national level? The app initially opens to the the whole U.S., and that includes Alaska, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And so if fires are reported in those locations, they will be visible on the map. And we have all the data for those different, like, for those different regions. So it is the entire country. Interesting. That's very cool. And I know that you mentioned, I was, I was going to ask you if there are any type of forecasts that were included in the app as far as fire weather watch, but you mentioned, you know, with the red flag warning and, and the fire watches, then, then obviously it would be included in that, which is very helpful. So yep, with all this useful information, I know you said the app came out August 25th. I would only assume people would now want to find the app. So where can one get the app? So they can look it up. It has a fairly short <laughs> URL, but um, I think you'll probably provide that towards the end. They can find it on, um, as we've posted at different places, you can search for uh, Living Atlas Wildfire Aware because the Living Atlas, as I mentioned, is that library of data. And that's, that's the place where we've hosted the app from. And it's just a quick download, I assume? It actually, it's interactive and it just stays in the browser. Okay. So it operates in whatever browser you're using. If you're using Safari or Google Chrome or Firefox or Edge. All of the different browsers that we have now. <laughs> yep. There's, there's probably a lot more that I didn't list. <laughs> I don't even know if I know anymore, but I'm sure there are. Okay. So, and if people want more information about features on the app, other than just getting on the app, I think you just mentioned a site. Is that where they would get all the information? Yeah, so on the app, in the very top right corner, there's an I button. And when you click on that, that gives you quite a bit more information about the app. We've also done a blog article, and that blog article contains more information and is linked from within that information panel that pops up. And then, you know, they can reach out to us. And the, the way to reach out to us is going through that blog article. It provides some guidance on contacting us if there are questions or comments. For those maybe listening in um, on, in South Florida where our issues are not as big as they are out West, um, what other features would the app have or once you're on the site interactively that, that they could find useful as well? I think one of the things that I like is that I can search for my home by typing in the address. Mm -hmm. I can also like, turn on those different layers and I have I, I find that I spend a lot of time in the app just exploring places around the country that I've been, that I have family living. Um, because when you click on the app, even if there is no fire there, it draws a two mile radius circle. So it's four miles across 
and it queries all of that area within that circle. And you'll see the circle on the map and it'll tell you the population in that area, as well as how if you're going out to recreate what kind of land ownership or protected areas are within that circle, as well as you know possible critical species and what that biodiversity is like. And most of the areas that I click on out west, we have very low biodiversity and you have much higher in the southeast and in Florida. So I think that's an, that's an interesting feature as well. Absolutely. I mean, even without those layers, just being able to zoom in on a local level and see maps, I think one can spend so much time on. But once you add those layers with that information, just makes it, takes it to another level. So very cool. And one of the additional layers to turn on and off in the map layer button, which is on the bottom left, is, is called burned areas. And so that's our burn history. Right now that's displaying larger fires over the past hmm, about 20 years. And the reason we kind of cut that off and we don't display all history is that vegetation regrows. And of course, being in Florida, your vegetation regrows within days right. and, and out West it takes you know a couple of decades. <laughs> so we kind of did the 20 years as a, as a way to look at, okay, well, where do you see a lot of fire happening over and over again that are large fires? This is all very useful information. Again, other than the obvious for wildfires, but like you said, here in South Florida, just vegetation alone. And um, it's very, very cool, very useful tool. Thank you so much, Fern, for taking the time to talk with us. I know that many here in South Florida and anyone listening to this will find all these useful tools very much interested and now available to stay informed on active wildfires. Um, I'm going to check it out too. I think I may be ending, spending some time on this later today. <laughs> yeah, and thank you very much. And you know, check it out and let us know what you think. And we are, we're constantly making little edits and updates. And make sure you check out the Hurricane Aware app as well. Oh, I, I absolutely will. Thanks again, Vern. Thank you. The Seven Weather Team would like to thank Esri and Chris Ferner for not only taking the time to speak with us, but also for their help in relaying the latest wildfire information and helping keep those around the country wildfire aware. We thank you for your hard work in creating this stellar wildfire resource. If you would like to dig a little further and become wildfire aware, visit livingatlas.com dot arcgis that's a-r-c-g-i-s dot com forward slash wildfire aware again that's livingatlas dot arc a-r-c-g-i-s dot com forward slash wildfire aware that's all for now from the seven weather team i'm meteorologist erica delgado thank you erica weather or not we'll be right back Severe weather can strike any time. And when it does, Seven's got you covered. 24-7. We'll see storms developing. We have a long line of rainfall here. We are the Storm Station. Seven News. Our final podcast of our second season drops November 29th. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, please send us an email at wxpodcast.com at WSBN.com. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is produced by the Seven Weather Team. Original music by Chris Crane, with technical support by Stephen Sejas. 
Thank you for listening to Weather or Not. 